is a strange thing. It doesn't work like I thought it did. We are so bound by time, by its order. Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is a podcast that takes a look at the highs and lows of your favorite Hollywood artists. Each month we're going to be using Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and worst film in one individual's filmography. You can listen along and try to figure out what went right and what went wrong. My name is Wes Teasdale. I'm joined by Clay McCormick. Clay, how are you? Welcome to our discussion of Arrival. I'm good. I uh, I think they should have called this movie Art House Independence Day. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> do you think it's... um. Or you could have called it uh, DS9 Pilot, the theatrical version, I guess, would be a way yeah, you could DS9 look at it. Yeah, DS9 Pilot, where I don't roll my eyes for two hours. <laughs> We're talking about uh, the best film in Amy Adams's current filmography as of early 2019. In Arrival, it's her number one. It's at 94% on the tomatometer. <laughs> Although, that being said... I think this movie could have even been better if they had a scene where a- Amy Adams chewed out Captain Picard. Yeah, if she if she meets with her uh, her predecessor from the earlier the earlier movie and uh, has a head to head a tete a tete. The critical consensus of this one is at ninety four percent with three hundred ninety six reviews. Arrival delivers a must see experience for fans of thinking person sci fi that anchors its heady themes with genuinely affecting emotion and a terrific performance from Amy Adams. So we're right off of Leap Year, and now we're going to be talking about the sci-fi version and the highest-rated film in Amy Adams' uh, filmography at this point. It's a 2016 American sci-fi film called Arrival, directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve and written by Eric Hesserer, based on the 19- Which we should say, we were saying before, Villanueva, which is not correct. No, it's very it close. It's be- only if you switch the U and the E, it becomes Villanueva. Uh, it is, but yeah. it's also like if you were to pronounce my name... Uh, McCor Master Antonio. <laughs> so, uh, apologies. <laughs> Denny is not a very Spanish name. It is much more French, uh, so I should have known that. It's based on a 1998 short story, Story of Your Life. It stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Amy Adams is a linguist enlisted by the U.S. Army to discover how to communicate with aliens who have arrived on Earth before tensions lead to war. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards at the 89th Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Clay, do you know what it won for? Uh, not out of those screen? not out of those no. it's it's its own category it didn't win any of those categories um sound editing it is yep sound editing really yeah oh. which uh i think makes sense i noticed the sound quite a bit during this movie mm. i thought it was very good but that's about yeah. it uh let's see let's get into it so what'd you think of arrival clay loved it uh i i, I start to finish i thought it was great yeah um, I thought I thought it was pretty brilliant, and the more I think about it, I think the better I hold it in its regards. However, I will say, uh, you know, the, the focus of this podcast is the high and lows of a person's career. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a weird movie in that I think anybody could have played any of the roles, and it probably would have been okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not really a character thing. So it's funny that it's Amy Adams's highest role, and it's just... It's funny that we didn't get a good example of a movie where she gets to show off some serious acting chops because we saw Leap Year, which is terrible, and then we saw this one, which is not really an actor's kind of movie. Well, to be fair, I mean, anybody could have played any of the parts in Leap Year and it would have still been terrible. That's so I true. think it's a, it's a, and also Arrival is not really that dissimilar to, to Leap Year when you think about it. I mean, you know, she goes in looking for one thing and ends up coming in with coming out with a husband <laughs> in a very <laughs> unexpected manner. <laughs> 
it's a little bit more insightful. Let's um let's take a br- uh, break and play the trailer for people if they're unfamiliar or they want to remind themselves. We'll be back and we're going to break it down. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. Still no signs of what might be called first contact. The objects measure at least... I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they're calling the UFO. Who's being carted off in the medevac? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. It's time. Yeah, that just happened. Figure something out. I am human. It's their language. We need to make sure that they understand the difference between a weapon and a tool. Language is messy and sometimes one can be both. Are you dreaming in their language? possible they're prodding us to fight among ourselves this is just a way to force us to work together for once it's more complicated than that. how is it more complicated russia just executed one of their own to keep their secrets got 21 hours before they start global war so how do we clarify their intentions i go back in why does this feel worse I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start this one off, Clay? I've talked for a long time with the introductions and everything. You said you loved it. I agree. I think that it's a really fantastic movie and well-deserving of its nominations at the Academy Awards, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very good sci-fi, thinking person sci-fi. That would be the kind that would usually be rewarded with awards and everything. They gave it sound editing, but you'd hope for something else. Not that sound isn't important. Um yeah, would would you? This was it was. A, I guess I'd start off by just saying it's not at all kind of what I expected it to be, mm. um, and it really honestly is the DS Nine prophet aliens in a theatrical yeah. film with a sort of what, what it really highlighted to me was maybe the difference between what you can expect from a movie and what you can expect from a show that has 176 episodes in it with a concept where a movie really lets you like distill down to what the core concept is saying in a way that once you start to stretch out the concept, it kind of loses that appeal. And I really like the pilot for DS9 because I like what they did with the prophets and how they said that like aliens that see time as circular and not as linear would have a different perception about how to go about things. And that's exactly what this movie is saying by the end of it. Yeah. I, (laughs) it's, uh, it's like the DS9 episode. If they took out, the Bajoran religion stuff, which is the stuff that I don't like. So. Yeah, I replaced it with a sort of a college 101 level linguistics uh, class. 
Yeah. I, you know, I thought that I was really impressed by it. Um, I, I think, uh, I guess you could call it a twist in the store. Yeah, I guess it's a twist. Um, uh, it's a, I would say it's a fairly seismic shift in, in the storytelling, uh, when, when, when you get to the end and see how she's actually perceiving time. I thought that was so well utilized because I thought that opening scene, uh, sequence with the daughter was just like destruction. Like it was, it was, I, I felt every moment of that and the heartbreak that she was going through. And, you know, it, I, it almost, it was, it's one of those things that, that they do so frequently in movies as a way to just set up like the mindset of the character going forward and how they need to like triumph over and get back up on their feet. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, they're blah, at blah. their low point and they need this yeah. event of this movie to re- to fully be realized as a person again. Yeah. And I liked that they did that and just completely turned it on its head. Because uh, I was thinking of Gravity a little bit in that, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock's character in Gravity is, I think, in a similar situation where her daughter has died or something. And now she's in space and she's sad. Uh, And the whole thing is about, you know, she's keeping the death of her daughter in mind as she's triumphing over space or whatever. Uh, And she when she gets back to Earth, she's sort of reborn, etc. Um and I, I like that they took that trope because you're, after that opening sequence, you're, that's the imprint on, that you have on a- Amy Adams for the rest of the movies, that she's operating from a standpoint of grief. Yeah. At um, least the, which, the first 70% of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which technically she still is because that's the whole concept of the movie is that this like time is a flat circle kind of thing. Yeah. Well, she doesn't um, know it early, right? Because she does not right, have the but, visions of the girl until into the, when she meets the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. I would debate that. I don't know. I I don't know if she's uh, explicitly is or isn't getting the visions of of having a daughter until later on the movie. I will, but isn't isn't that the whole the the whole? My understanding is that once the once she starts learning the alien language, that's when the visions start because she has that whole scene about how learning languages rewires your brain. So the the weapon of the language that the aliens are giving her is what enables her to start having these visions. I guess I, th- I I didn't necessarily see it that that way. I I was th- seeing it as uh, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's really it's not really consequential to the story because sure. either way either way by the end of the story, that's those are the visions she's having from the beginning anyway because it's all part of one time stream. Yep. Um, but uh, I like that they took that, but it, it imprints this this operating from a point of gr- uh, standpoint of grief, and it's. Uh, it's, it's a, it's almost like a, I've, I've never been through something obviously like she goes through in this movie. Uh, so I can't say this as someone who's been there, but I almost feel like it is a more honest version of how to deal with those kinds of emotions. Because at the end of the movie, she's got this whole new understanding of the way things are going and what is going to happen and what has happened. And instead of where usually you have the character almost putting that stuff behind them and forgetting it and moving on from it, in this one, she's embracing that it's going to happen and embracing that the moments that lead up to the awfulness are are, are worth it and not worth and are better to have than to just completely avoid. Right. Which is, is a really, you know, uh, painful and cathartic 
expression of 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 that idea um and it's yeah it, it was i thought it was fantastic yeah i think that um i guess we can get into that's kind of the meat of it like the twist uh, the not the twist but the like the the realization that she is getting visions of the future as opposed to the past and how, like how everybody reacts to that i thought that maybe from um maybe a good place before i wanted to move into that on my thoughts the a good place is kind of the um the structure of the movie is really interesting to me in terms of I really find it kind of enjoyable how what happens to the main characters here is not the focus of the aliens that have come, which I thought was mm-hmm. really fascinating. Like the aliens are not here to the aliens are here to deliver their language. However, the reason that the aliens are doing this is a totally self-serving thing for themselves because they yeah, need the humans yeah. help in 3000 years, they say. So for the humans to understand this, these aliens show up and it's almost incidental that our main character goes on this journey that she has about it. And it's not the, right. the aliens don't show up with the intention of giving her these visions and therefore letting her as a person see what's about to happen. It's just mm-hmm. happenstance of them communicating that she becomes this. And I thought that I really liked the use of, it was it was a neat use of aliens where they're just kind of the MacGuffin, I guess, for like the mm. idea of it and that they don't have... They don't have a strong place in the story as like an active agent. They're not they're not like you never really meet them. You never you never talk about incredible things with them. You never really get a sense of what they do or anything. It's all very vague. And the emotional heft is shunted off of that story and it's on its own little thing and has nothing to do with the aliens at all. Really. And it has nothing to do with the alien intentions. And I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, there wasn't like a Amy Adams isn't like the chosen one or anything like that. She's just the one that happens to crack the code and yep. then earns earns the ability. Yeah, uh, it's weird because it's almost a side effect, but it is the main effect. You know, if that makes any sense, yeah. like it's not that is the reason that the aliens are talking to them. However, the the ramifications of what it means, you can almost say like because the aliens are so used to living and seeing time this way, they don't think it's a big deal to expose another creature to this kind of um foresight and how devastating it is for humans is in no way devastating for the aliens yeah and i also i also really liked um how tolerant the aliens were uh if that's the word to use where because after they after they actually get you know attacked the aliens just like okay uh calm down you killed one of us and yeah yeah you you hurt him real bad but you you need to you need to knock it off and listen to what we're saying everybody chill out for a second uh where where in most other movies that would be the point where it's like up now they're putting up their shields and they're arming their weapons and now we're fighting against the clock before i before they you know retaliate or whatever but it's more clever Uh, the the aliens still need the humans the aliens apparently need this to work out for some reason because they're going to need humanity in three thousand years as they say yeah 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 i i really i thought i i thought it was great everything about it i thought the the design of the aliens was awesome i very lovecrafty like that that was uh that alien design was felt very much taken from uh uh the lovecraft description of the uh elder gods or whatever yeah, uh, yeah. I, I forget where they have those like starfish like hands on the end of the tentacles and they're like these weird you know bulbous sort of cephalopod things i thought that was great I was surprised we saw as much as we did of them, actually, because yeah. I feel it's one of those things you could have gotten away with. 
The only thing we see of the aliens is the writing that they write on the glass in the smoke, mm-hmm. and you never actually they communicate see them through coffee stains. Right? Yeah, yeah, squid, squiddy coffee stain uh, ink, and I'm surprised they showed them as much as they did. I would have, because I, I actually, I probably would have shown them less. I think if I was in like mm. charge of the creative decision, because I don't think it's important to see what they look like, and I don't know if it's distracting, but it's just kind of like a unnecessary detail, I guess, that I wouldn't have wanted to had to deal with. You know what I kind of liked about it, though? That scene where she uh, uh, gets taken up into the fog room. Um, They went out of their way to give you, like, a really clear shot of the one she was talking to, specifically, like, the lower portion. Yep. And the the way that that it was designed, the way the shadows fell on that, like, trunk portion kind of looked like a face. Yes. Yep. And I I really appreciate... I really liked that because it was... It was was kind of like... humanizing them just enough that you can um, see her make a stronger connection with them. Um, sort of, you know, p- she's parting, parting the fog a little bit to, to see that there is some, a level of connection that is not just uh, um, uh, uh, malicious, you know, or malevolent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I generally agree about that stuff. Um, especially if, if they're not necessarily the point of the story, why, uh, why show them off more than you have to. Right. If but, you're not uh, fighting them almost, you know, yeah. if you're not doing hand to hand combat with them and you need to see what they can do. Yeah. But you know, I, I didn't think it, it didn't work. Uh, I, I didn't think it looked bad. You know, I, honestly, that's the biggest problem is, is when you show it too much, it, the, the, the zippers on the suit start to show, yep. for, you know? Yep. Um, and I, I didn't really feel that here cause I thought it was still, they, they were, th- their shape is so, weird and they were still obscured enough that i i didn't think it overstayed its welcome um and also i think i think it benefited from not really hiding it for most of the movie no they showed the it right up front so you, yeah, you can't I, be underwhelmed when they finally show up because they exactly. show you right right up front yeah yeah i think that's where that stuff really falls apart is when you if you're hiding it for the whole movie and then you show it you tend to go huh unless it's like really great um, whereas this, they kind of, they give you, you know, they give you just the tip at the beginning. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you see the rest of it as it goes on. So I, I, I didn't think that it, it worked against it the way in like, uh, uh, I, did you ever see Cloverfield? Uh, yes. Yep. I loved Cloverfield. I did not care for the monster. Like when they finally gave you a good look at the monster, I was kind of like, eh, sure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, and that's one of those things where they hide it and they obscure it for so long that when they finally do give it to you, it's like, well, uh, all right. Yeah. Same um, with Godzilla 2000. <laughs> Same yes. problem. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, mean, I did, uh, I, I did learn from many billboards and buses how, how big his different appendages were though. Yep. That's right. Bio Good marketing. marketing campaign. <laughs> that and that incredible Puff Daddy, uh, Led Zeppelin mashup, which just, really- you know, I'll tell you. I am embarrassed to admit this, but that song is what got me into Led Zeppelin, who oh, wow. are my favorite band. Yeah, <laughs> I had not really listened to them before that, and then I heard that, and I was like, I like half of this song. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, it's not all bad, I guess, when, when they do those things. <laughs> we have Puff Daddy to thank for some things in life here, I suppose. Um, Arrival, I... You know, I guess I'll go into uh, the the criticisms I have of this are, um, 
I don't know how nitpicky this kind of is. Did you did you feel that the the science was weirdly stupid for people? Did, like I felt that the the scientists were explaining incredibly basic things that I guess the audience of the movie kind of needs to know. But at the same time, I was I was a little bit surprised by how unsophisticated the problem was that they were having. Um, you know, like when when the when Forrest Whitaker comes in, he's like, "Explain to me." how language works it it kind of it kind of felt like it's like it's the movie explaining how complicated this can be but at the same time all these physicists and linguists who are working together with like highly trained military people it felt like they were explaining quite a bit to me and i I thought it was kind of it took me out of it a little bit by how like basic a lot of their understanding was yeah i don't know i hadn't really thought about it uh i i the language stuff i actually liked because it's not something that you ever see really explained in movies and when when you're basing your entire story around uh, uh, trying to crack a language code, um, I think it makes sense to lay out at least or lay out your your course of operation in a plain way because that's just not something that people really think about when you you know if you're going into a movie you're not really thinking about sentence structure you know yeah um, so I I can see I I didn't mind that stuff I I honestly didn't really. Uh, the sciencey stuff I didn't really notice because honestly I didn't really feel like there was a lot of it. Like Jeremy Renner was there to be a scientist, but he didn't really do anything. No, I, I don't of... even know why why his physicist role is there at all. Actually, yeah. he doesn't seem to he he seems to be better at linguistics than he does at yes. physics. Yeah, so. yeah, he does more uh, for the linguistics than he does. I mean, there's no. It's not like he's running, uh, uh, you know, physics experiments up in the up in the ship. There. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the science scene that sticks out to me, I was having a chuckle. Remember, there's a scene where they show up, and they're like, they're like, well, the aliens have to have to like vent all the oxygen into the thing, so the door only opens for this limited amount of time. It's like, why do they do that? And the guy's like, well, if we were to breathe their atmosphere, it might kill us. And everyone goes, oh, it, it just it felt like a very like like it's such an obvious thing that I was surprised that they even focused on it really to that point. And I, I. I Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I assume that they did that only because at the end, when she goes up and they start filling the thing up with that gas to put a little bit of tension to it. Because I, I, I agree where it's like, yeah, you, you, know, you can assume that there's some sort of atmospheric discrepancy there. Yeah. But uh, um, I was more impressed by the when they go in, the gravity is all wonky like that. Yeah, that, that was yeah. much more of a show and don't tell kind of interesting way to show how different the alien ships are. Like the very first mm-hmm. thing you notice is that when you go in, things are literally like upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Also very Lovecrafty. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I, I'm curious if there's some sort of like uh, high level um, scientific theory about what new scientific theory about like what a alien spaceship would look like now. Because the ship in this was was very similar to the ship in um, Prometheus, mm-hmm. the uh, that that comes down and you know does the whatever way back in the prehistoric period. They're very like um, elongated, sort of like oddly concave. Looks like sort of like a contact like a, lens type thing. Yeah, pista- yeah, pistachio shell or yep. something. Yep. Um, and I mean, it's a great look, and it feels very two thousand one. Uh, that big black obelisk kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I wonder if there's some sort of uh, new sci-fi or science theory that oh, if there were ships that traveled like this, it would be this sort of shape and you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Did um, I guess we can just move into like the 
the the meat of the story is actually uh, the most interesting thing to me about it. like the, this sort of idea that they're playing with here about whether or not you would go through with your life knowing what was to come with it mm-hmm. and where i think the movie really succeeds is that i think that they show they show a lot of uh, they show a lot of perspectives on it and outside of the problem so w- would this would this movie to you be implying the fact that history is not possible to or if the future is impossible to change would you accept that as like um, a basic like i think that i don't i don't know how far into the the problems with it i want to go but i wonder the movie seems to be implying that the future is set and you cannot change it and i wonder if that kind of undoes the theme a little bit um, I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, cause I mean, if that, if that were the case, then the, then the, uh, there's not really much tension around whether or not she's going to get the message and the phone number to send to the guy at the end. Um, right. So I, I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if it, re- it really makes a stance on, on whether or not you could actually change the future if you know it. Well, if you, um, I, I guess I would, I guess I'd argue it must because if you didn't, you would have so many visions that don't make sense whatsoever to you. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. So because if if all possible futures were open to you, you would get a glimpse of a million different things all the time. And the aliens seem pretty set on this is going to happen. And this mm-hmm. this might actually be the wrong track for like breaking down the story because I think that's the only problem with what I think is going on with it. But yeah, out, I th- outside of that, I think that the choices that people make are really interesting. And I come away from it thinking that Amy Adams actually makes the wrong choice, but she only makes the wrong choice if she's allowed to make the wrong choice. And so maybe if the future is set, I can't say it's the wrong choice and I feel more sympathy for her at that point. Yeah. I, I think trying to break it down into that sort of timeline, uh, theory is not going to be productive. Um, cause it's, I don't think that's what the story is necessarily about. Um, like I, I think it's it's more about the uh, emotional journey of her character in that in that concept than it is the concept itself. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Where I think she it 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 allows her to make the the you know wrong decision on purpose. Um. And uh, uh and and that kind of thing. I, yeah. It's this is a tough one. I think it, it's I. I think when you get into time travel movies, uh, as we are going to, apparently, mm-hmm. yep. near, not too distant future, uh, it's 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 easier to to pick them apart as far as the quote unquote realistic or the uh, uh, logical workings of the time travel idea, if there is a lot of um, talk and weight put onto that idea in the story. Where you know, for instance, like Back to the Future is not only about Mar- Marty McFly getting back to 1985, but it is very much about the mechanics of time and right. and what and how changing the timeline will affect things. Um, and stuff like uh, you know, Terminator, yes, Looper, probably yes. Um, where you can kind of really pick it apart and be like, oh well, you know, the paradox this and this doesn't really make sense, and well, if this, then this, then this. Uh, but I, I don't know if, if this is one of those movies just because it's not the, there's no real discussion of the mechanic at all other than the fact that it exists. So it's, it's tough for me to, uh, really 
criticize it too much for for the uh, you know the idea. Well, if if she can see all possible futures, then how come she's not getting a billion visions? And blah blah. Like you know, it's just that that's not the 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 kind of story they're trying to tell. What kind of radiation exposure are we walking into? Nominal. These are just for safety. So, is there any physical contact with the? Um, am I the only one having trouble saying uh, aliens? There's a wall, like a glass wall. You can't get to them. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Hurry up. But I, I think the, I'd agree with you. I think that the my larger point would be I think that, I think that what it's saying is that the future is unchangeable, and I think I actually mm-hmm. prefer that as an outcome to them. Where, what they're so because the future is unchangeable, it actually doesn't give Amy Adams a choice in what she does right. here, and she has to yeah. go through it. And the the thing is that she can enjoy the moment in and of itself because she knows this has to happen, and she can look past the fact of like knowing that the misery is going to be coming down the line. She can enjoy the present moments. I think mm-hmm. I think if she has no agency or choice over how the direction of her future goes, I think she actually makes the wrong decision to go through and have the kid because yeah. the kid it's all well and good that she can accept that she can live in the moment but she brought mm-hmm. in someone who had no choice in whether or not I they're going to die and yeah. i i think it's better that she has no choice in that she sees the future as a set thing that she has to go through with and that almost makes more sense to me about why she and jeremy renner fall in love at all because they don't really get the sense that they build anything through this right, movie right right and yeah. I think that's a, I think it's kind of a neat way that the movie portrays things. However, I don't know if that, I don't know if that amplifies the emotional feeling that I feel about how I feel through the movie. She's making a choice, and I actually don't think she is in terms of what the story is telling me. I see. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you don't, you don't, yeah, think, you don't I, think it matters. I guess. No, I, I, um. Because is Amy Adams is, does Amy Adams do the right thing at the end of this movie? Mm. Who is who is getting the benefit out of what she does? Just her, I would argue. Well, the, I mean, the world, I guess. I mean, if you if so, if you want to really the ba- break the, the baby, yeah, not, I was gonna yeah. say if you yeah. really want to break down. See, that's why I think that's why I was watching it from the standpoint of it's all sort of of a piece. So like what you're seeing at the beginning is already the visions of the, of the future in that way, in that way it is not changeable because yeah, you'd think that the, the easy answer would would be, okay, we'll just don't have the baby. Um, but, uh, since it, it, I think the structure of it is such that it is a story that is supposed to be from the standpoint or the emotional arc of it is, one dealing uh with this grief of of the of the uh dead child that um it kind of all has to, it, it does all have to happen so i mean you could say yeah she well, she makes the wrong choice because you know well, why don't you just, ha- just don't have the baby but if you're looking at it as a whole of this is a story about dealing with this grief and and what you choose to remember and what you choose to the decisions you make about it going forward um it kind of all has to happen that way and i think we're probably saying the same thing more or less yeah um as far as her as far as her agency goes um yeah i mean i i I guess i guess you're right at the at the end of the day or at the end of the story 
she is kind of making the decision for herself, I guess. Yeah. I mean, even she doesn't tell Jeremy Renner about this. Right. Right. The, the right. reason they get to the, the divorce is because she has these premonitions of the child dying. And he is like, that is a terrible thing that we've done here where we brought a baby into this world who's not going to live past, it looks like, early teens. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if the... I guess that the it's it it hits harder to me if they have no ability to change that kind of stuff because she at that point the the theme of the story is really like you really just kind of have to roll with the punches and over the course mm-hmm. of your life you're going to have this entire story that pans out and even if you know the end of it living in the moment as you approach that ending still can't undo the suffering. But I think that the interesting philosophical argument against it is that I think that they created more suffering if they have a choice in doing it. So Mm. I I just kind of think it's an interesting uh, point of view that the movie has, I guess would be the the way to look at it and how her knowing what's going to happen has all these negative impacts on other people who the only difference is that they can't see what's going to happen they like they 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 all go through the same experience but she's hit this like buddhist state of being okay with everything and Mm. the people who aren't are not okay and i guess that ties into by the end of this is does everyone because they learn the alien language have the ability to do this is that is that that's my understanding because she's teaching the alien language by the end of the movie and i don't know if humanity as a whole gains this ability because of learning yeah that i don't know that's a good question um i uh i was a little bit fuzzy on that too like i wasn't sure if she was in in imbued with some specific understanding that every not everybody gets uh you know like there's a difference between being able to read spanish and being fluent in spanish right yeah um yeah, I don't know. I, I I would say that would I would say that would be that would be opening a, a can of problematic worms across the board there if the, if everybody could do yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, well, it's a very um, it's a very movie that is of the moment and it doesn't yeah. want to spill outside of the moment that it's talking right. about, which is fine. Yeah. There's nothing really wrong with that, but it is like you'd like to see the sequel to Arrival where everyone has these abilities and like the the sex would break down i'd imagine uh, like the religious sex would break down along the lines of like jeremy renner's type characters who don't want to know the future and want everything to be kind of a mystery and then people who are okay with knowing the future and try to find happiness in the individual moments of those right. those yeah. things yeah yeah that's why i think that's why i think it's 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 getting in getting into the specifics of it in in this case is not beneficial because and i wouldn't and i wouldn't call it a failing of the story or anything because it's like i think it's a it's another version of the environment the scope of the environment thing that i'm always talking about where it's like keeping it inside your bubble so your story works and not stepping outside and just answering or put opening way too many doors yeah um i don't did you see us uh no i have not seen us yet no okay no. well i won't talk about that let's just say i had a sim i had a similar problem with us okay uh that's all i'll say i'm sure we'll talk about it eventually yeah um well let's do you but, uh, so just uh, uh to, to to finish what i was thinking um yeah it's because it, it's it's one of those things where if you extrapolate it outwards you're it would the thing that they're actually getting the let's say everybody does get this ability then you start thinking about what that means and what it could mean it's like well assuming that society doesn't turn on a dime and be able to deal with this 
uh, a, it's going to cause a shitload of problems, mm-hmm. and and B, if you think about what she can actually do now in a larger sense uh, outside of what happens in this movie, if everybody does that, doesn't that make life really pretty boring? That's the because I guess is that is it, there's sort of like an idea of I guess that's where the 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 uh, her state of being comes into mind because I think in order to deal with what she can do you have to kind of resign yourself to the fact that like it's it's just all happening and there is no real you know i don't know if the surprise is the word but there's no you know you know what i do you know yeah, what i'm getting at, i do well, i think that the people who um meditate or do like the mindfulness meditation is like the the basic idea is that a lot of stress of life comes from being concerned about what the next thing is like mm-hmm. think about while you're going during your day you spend a lot of the time just sitting there going like okay when's the next next bus coming or okay like when 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 is this thing coming on or like okay i have to do this now or oh, i gotta do that in the future and the thing about training the the mind to avoid that kind of thing is that you stay focused on the present and like what's actually happening in front of you and mm-hmm. only then are you able to really enjoy those things because you're not distracted by the future and i think that mm-hmm. the the argument here could be, even if you, I, I wonder if people would say that it wouldn't be too boring of, of a life to know your future because that's the only way, you know exactly how long you're going to be sitting waiting for the doctor to see you, you know, like, you know exactly yeah. how long you're going to be sitting there and you can appreciate that moment instead of sitting there wondering when the doctor is going to show up. True. Does that make yeah, sense? I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the it, I guess it all depends on how you perceive that ability, right? Because I mean, uh, uh, ultimately, it's an it's it's a concept that you you just you can't really fathom. It, you can't really wrap your mind around it. Yeah. Uh, in a, any realistic way. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's more like that, where it's it's not explicitly like having all possible avenues in front of you at once. So you have, you know, all these future timelines that you're considering and like, well, if this is going to happen, this, then blah, 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 then I guess I won't even do this. You know, it's not that kind of thing. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's more of an internalizing um, and appreciating the time that you have as opposed to worrying about, you know, what comes after it. Closest analog might be rewatching a TV episode. You know, you watch, you're watching it because you're purely enjoying it and you're not worried about, where it's going to go or whatever. You're just in the moment of, I like this. I'm going to enjoy it right now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, uh, something I've been noticing as I've been working, um, cause I spend most of my time at my drawing desk, just, you know, staring at a page. Um, <laughs> and so I, I listen to a lot of stuff and I watch a lot of TV in the background just to, you know, keep things interesting. And I've noticed that there are certain elements, uh, or songs or parts of songs, or even pages that will trigger very direct memories of the other thing, of the inverse. So so basically, like, there are some TV shows that I've watched while working where if I watch an episode back and it comes to a very certain specific place, I immediately get a picture of what I was drawing at that time. Yeah, I get and, that with food. Like, I, or, or, right. I when I'm... There are certain things that I like books that I was reading while I was eating something. And whenever I look at that book, I think about the food that I was eating. Well, Interesting. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating mechanism and it works the same way the other way too, where if I'm looking at pages I've drawn, there'll be, you know, I'll be just kind of looking at it and then one panel will just pop and I'll be like, Ooh, I'll just get a very clear vision of, of whatever episode of TV I was watching or what part of the podcast I was in or something like that. 
And it's a very, it's, 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 it's a very, uh, interesting shock of, of memory in a way that is not like, oh, I'm going to sit and remember the, this, the time that I did X or something. It's right. just a very specific flash. And that was the feeling I got of how this was sort of happening, where, where it was she was getting not necessarily like because uh, because showing memory is in, a movie is, in a movie is is tough, yeah. right? Because yeah. if you think about the way you actually remember things, I was thinking about this as watching it because it I was like, how the fuck am I ever going to verbalize this? Um, you, it's not like you're hitting play on a on a video. It's like. It's like you it's 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 more like you are going to the folder on the computer and just sort of like thinking about all of the things that are 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 in the fo- in the folder. It's not like you're watching a series of events. It's yep. like you are perceiving a folder of material all at once. Um and so it it was interesting to to see a uh a this idea of this vision thing where where they are trying to go for this like hard hit like quick shot thing but they're also doing it in like a way that they're actually showing the future in a in a way that it's creating tension about the action in the past Mm. so i i was i was i i really liked the way that they handled this stuff because it's 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 it wasn't the usual thing where she like stops and goes oh and then they they you know do a hard (laughs) cut to the future and she's and she comes back and she's like i just saw what happens 15 minutes from now in that amount of time yeah it she's was like very, a ghostly figure in the future watching people run around and uh trying yeah, to figure stuff out yeah, yeah it was it was a lot more fluid which well, i i think goes with with the way they were handling things I guess, my only my only gripe hmm. if you can call it a gripe i guess How, did you think the thing with the phone number was a little too heavy-handed um with the, the chinese phone number where he's well, like thank you for calling me on my private line <laughs> which i know that you don't have yeah so i'm going to give it to you now and tell you these secret words that you have to say i don't know i i, I wish that had happened more organically and didn't just seem like you know in like the, the result of inception sort of you right know? yeah the, the in the future he tells her far too much information that she already knows he's like as you know you called my number blah 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 and then said blah 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 and that's the only reason that she knows that she has to say that in the present and he's doing it from he's doing it the way he's saying it he's doing it from the standpoint of giving her that information so she can do it in the past yeah, but Which, uh, well, I I think on a movie level, I don't think that character is intentionally doing it that way, is he? I think he is. Oh, you do? I think so. Yeah, because he, the way that the because the way that he does everything, why else would he type the phone number out and show it to her? Oh, okay, that makes sense. And then and he, you think then he, he very specifically tells her something that nobody else would know, and the way just the way he he delivers the line too. It's like, as you know, yeah, you called me on my private phone which nobody has the number to. but shouldn't they if they're in the future shouldn't they be more organically talking about it be like hey this is that moment where because we both have seen the future i need to give you this information right now instead of talking about it in a it already happened in the past sense you know what i mean well that's that's why i mean i that's what i mean by thinking that it's it's it it was a little too on on the nose like i just i wish it had come up in a more organic way like if if they had talked if if they had talked about you know the events of the day, and then it ended with him like handing her his his card or so, just something that didn't seem like he was actively 
changing the future by giving changing the the past by giving her the information in the future that kind of thing i i would have been totally fine by changing the past if he gives her the information if they both acknowledge in the future that they're doing it because they know that they have to do it at that point you know you know what i mean that's one way to do it yeah um because i think i think the problem though there though is at that point in the movie it's still uh, a mystery kind of it's still yeah like what exactly is happening is not known that oh it's once you understand the language you have this uh, new understanding of time well it's the same Um, with the the way that they're what i think is clever about the movie is that they do the trick that you're saying where because you see the opening scenes of the kid dying you think that that's her past that it's built mm -hmm. into instead of the future however when you when you as the audience member know those scenes about the kid that you've seen but the character has not seen them to that point her memory flashes are much more obvious to us as they are than they are to her as a character. You know, we have right. a we have a level of omniscience over her story that she does not have at that point. So when you have to do the difficult thing of showing a flash of memory that to her is not really supposed to make any sense. I think she has a couple lines when it's happening of who is this child uh, and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. And as an audience member, maybe to be more, it wouldn't have been as thematically interesting or structurally interesting, but to be in that moment and be as confused as her would have been neat, but I think the movie does a better trick by showing you the kid first and then flipping it. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, and I was wondering, did you get the feeling, uh, you know, the scene where, uh, the daughter is asking her, uh, the looking for the term zero sum equation or whatever it was, the, the compromise, but where everybody went, you know, whatever that, that back and forth was. And she, she doesn't know what the word is. Yeah. Right. And then they cut back to the present, you know, or past, and Jeremy Renner says it, and then they cut to the back to the the vision, and she says it to the daughter. Yeah, zero sum game, right? Yeah, zero sum game. Um, and it registers with her that there is information being added to the timeline or something. At that point, when you think that the visions are still of the past, my initial thought was she's gonna she's gonna save her daughter because th- this is a. Uh, uh, she's learning information in the future, which is now being sent back to her in the past, which means she can change the timeline. Oh, by getting it, inf- you know what I mean? Yeah. So my, because because you still think that stuff is all in the past. So my first in- in- inclination was, oh, she's gonna whatever ability she's getting is a- is allowing her to alter the timeline and change things that happened in the past. So she's gonna try and save her daughter. Some, I guess may- maybe that's I don't know, but uh, that, that, that's that was fascinating my first- because I. I well, I, I really enjoyed the movie. However, once they started talking about the time nature of the aliens, I I knew what was happening with it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I, I didn't I didn't have a mystery. Once she started having visions, I was like, it's like, oh, it's the future, and like the aliens. The effect of the aliens is that they are able to have no concept of time, and she has not brought up her daughter at all. Which mm-hmm. you know, I, I can. I can see the mystery staying a little bit longer. It's honestly, I had the DS9 aliens in my head, and I was like, oh, they know everything. So they're probably oh, yeah, feeding yeah. our information. Yeah. 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 No, I, did, I didn't. Um, I, I still think, think it I works. Think it, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think it uh, it clicked with me about where it clicks in the movie. I, I think it's funny when you get into these things, because I always wonder whether and how whether or not they're giving you too much or making it too obvious what's going on. Um, and I'm on the fence with this one because I, I thought there was a certain point where they could have really, um, rolled off the, the, uh, uh, 
the throttle a little bit um, because I was kind of hoping they weren't going to explicitly say that Jeremy Renner was her husband. Because oh, okay. I thought at that point it's like, okay, we get it. It's you're just you're just really really hammering it home. I think there was enough there and enough implication based on the the way that she talked about her husband um, and the you know the fact that he's the only character in the vicinity to her. Yeah, I like uh, the, little, the little lines like blah, she blah, says, blah, blah. "Ask your physicist father" or something. Like she doesn't yeah. say physicist, but she says, "Your father knows the science. I know the language." Yeah. yeah, I thought it was pretty clear once once you once you figure out that what she's seeing is the future. I thought it was pretty clear that Jeremy Renner was was the husband. Yes, yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of wish they pulled back on that a little bit, but at the same time, you don't think his, I don't know. you don't think his. I think his reaction to the, that stuff is so important that you need to know it's him, I think. Like Yeah. Um because if if it was just a vague dude who left, it wouldn't be as upsetting as knowing that character, I think. Yeah, even even that's though fair. You, you don't really you don't really get to know either of these characters and that's not a flaw of the movie because it's not really important, I guess. It's more right. about like how they how they react to this uh situation, but I I was glad he didn't at the very end get down on one knee. You know, I was I was like, oh, thank thank God that didn't happen because <laughs> hey, I'll I don't tell think you, well, I, I, I'm not completely off base saying this is actually not entirely dissimilar to Leap Year because you've got these two these Amy Adams and this male character who are together for the whole movie and don't really show any romantic interest in each other, and then all of a sudden at the end you find out they're married. Yeah. Um. So it's not it's not entirely different. Uh, but yeah, I think that would have been, that would have been bad. And I'm really glad she didn't kiss him at the end either. Yes. That it was just sort of like a, like a hug or whatever. Yeah. Well, I like that she's treating it as this has to happen sort of. And I almost yes. wonder maybe the movie could have played his interest in her a little bit stronger and her not interested until she sees the future sort of. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this has to happen for some reason. I, I think that's, I think that's adding a layer of theme that the movie doesn't really need, but it's something that I was thinking about and maybe... I kind of like yeah. movies that leave you with like wondering about the open space that exists, much like the aliens have that open space in their number uh, thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it leaves you wondering about that open space of like where the characters would exist in that area if you were to look at them and have a movie about that that time. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm glad that they didn't have him more interested her in her honestly because I think it would have been it would have been too easy to figure out mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. that point. Um, but again, you know, I don't know. I guess it depends. Um. But yeah, overall, I mean, very minimal nitpicks. I thought, you know, as as far as a, uh, it's probably the most emotionally affecting time travel movie I've ever seen. Because yeah, generally, question, time yeah. travel movies are fairly not are fairly cold, where where it's the this idea of changing the timeline and these things you may or may not be able to do, and it it. it if if they're wringing a lot of emotion out of it, generally it feels kind of forced. I think. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because I guess I guess I'm sort of narrowing down what I think about this. This is a movie, a time travel movie that insists you can't change the future. Right. Which is kind of neat. That's kind of that's a very unique way to take it. Is to because she has no mechanism of changing the future. It's more she just has memories of the future. And right. That's kind of a, you know, she doesn't have a machine that allows her to go fly back into the past and say, I'm sorry, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, like, I'm sorry I did all this stuff. It's more being able to see the ramifications of your time travel, but not be able to change anything about why you caused those ramifications to happen. That's kind of, kind of a neat thing, a neat twist on the genre. Yeah, I think it's more successful and more emotionally honest than uh, 
I've seen movies try to do this in the past where like uh, the first one that pops to mind is the, the Guy Pierce remake of uh, the H.G. Wells is the time machine. Mm, yeah. Where uh, his whole motivation for going back in time was to prevent the death of his wife. But he discovers every time he tries it, she ends up getting killed a different way. So with this idea that her death is a fixed point in time, that no matter what he does, it's still going to happen. Right. Um, and it's that sort of that movie. It's not a good movie, but it's like there's that sort of aspect where it's like you are actively trying to change the timeline and then realizing that you can't versus what's happening here where it's like she is choosing not to and she is is choosing to uh, uh Take it as it comes and instead of, you know, actively trying to uh, uh, rail against it. Yeah, yeah. It's realizing your helplessness, I guess, in the face of time. Uh, yeah. Dr. Burnham should have showed up and started screaming about how time kills us all. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking about that. Like, I, I still, I like the sentiment of that scene in Discovery. I don't think it works in the episode, but I think it's an interesting look at the concept that I haven't really seen before. Yeah, it's the two. She has the Jeremy Renner outlook here where knowing everything that you know is a downside to existence like knowing the way knowing too much information is bad and i think the movie does a good job of making amy adams's point that knowing something like that can be helpful to you and be kind of like liberating in a lot of ways i I guess the ethical conundrum is really just whether or not bringing a kid into that situation is, is right. fair. Um, yeah. And they, they kind of ignore it by and skirt around it by just making it emotionally devastating. And you never really get to know the kid. And you just, you understand the, you understand the pain and the torment that she went through. And yeah, I, I think it's neat. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that it was wrong that they did the kid thing. It's just kind of a, uh, if you were to think about like the ethics of her situation, that's the one thing that sticks out to me. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's where it comes into looking looking at the the, the piece as a whole versus uh, getting down to the specifics. Because I don't disagree. I think yeah, if you if you want to get into it, the ethics of having that kid are very very suspect. Um, but as the as the piece as a whole is meant to be about you know the grief of that loss and dealing with that you know et cetera et cetera, that aspect of it has to happen. You know. Well, uh, what if the, I, I guess here's the question. What is the reason that she is not in a relationship with the father before the movie starts and Jeremy Renner does not have that role? Do you know what I mean? Like, what if she is pregnant at the start of this movie and the end of it is her knowing how this pregnancy will carry out and not telling mm-hmm. the father about it? Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that is Renner thrown in as kind of an additional mystery to sort of create a little bit more of like who could the father be as opposed to focusing on the decision that she makes about it. I don't know if one way is the better or worse, but it it's, it ties into the 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 mystery of uh, the the weirdness of their relationship. I think hinders the main point about her seeing. The, f- the future i guess i'm kind of stumbling over what i mean here but i don't know if you're picking up what i'm trying to say um i don't think that uh him being the father is 
I mean, it's it's part. I guess it's part of the mystery, but I don't think it's the point of the mystery. Yeah. Or really, a mystery that is 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 dying for for an answer. Uh, which is why which is why I didn't think it was a hundred percent necessary to come out and say that he was the the father. Um, because I I did notice that at through the movie, it's like they're not they're not really talking about the father at all. Like, I, and I and I just thought that was a choice before they tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a choice for what aspects of her relationship with her child that they were going to show you. Uh, cause I mean, in, in the, the timeline of the, the images that you're getting, it's not, it's not consequential to know who the dad is. No, like you, it, you assume they divorced after the death of the kid and they don't talk yeah. to each other. Yeah. Um, well, no, they, they divorced before the death of the kid. Oh, uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas, well, you learn that later on it, at first it, no, it always yeah. They yeah, always well, you, you, don't, that. you don't know that at the beginning when she's a teacher, right? When she's lecturing, you just, just you know that the baby died or the kid died, and she's no longer with the father. It seems. Um, yes, but you don't know that they. You don't know the timeline of when the divorce came because you don't know it's Jeremy Renner at that point. No, knowing Jeremy Renner, it doesn't matter because because you find that out like way early because in one of the flashbacks or flash forwards or whatever you want to call it, um, the daughter mentions. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Seeing the dad, and she's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm sorry. That was my fault." Blah blah blah. You know. That's right. Yeah, um, you're right. So that the the them being split up, I just thought, okay, well, the dad's not in the picture, so he's not in the movie. Um, so I don't think that was an answer, a mystery that was screaming to be answered, and, and and knowing that he's the dad doesn't really. I mean, it adds something to it, but I think it's kind of negligible. Which is which is why I don't think it's necessary to to hammer home that it's him. Yeah, well, I, I guess his his character is pointless unless he is the father. You, True. You know, yes. like kind of retroactively, I wonder if looking at this movie, if you're going like, why is Jeremy Renner even here? Like, what is he? Yeah. What is he? What is he doing for this story? And then you go, oh, it's the dad. He goes, oh, it all kind of makes sense. He's like the he's like the lamest version of um, what is John Connor's father's name? uh kyle reese kyle, he's like the lamest most like uninitiated kyle reese that we've ever had in the yes. terminator movie yeah. and he's he's kind of there by accident but i wonder now if i had known you know it's always impossible to say knowing what you know now but like it it, it does become more obvious why he exists in the movie to become the father at the end when he doesn't have a reason to be there in the stars and i think maybe it it, it might be a flaw of the movie that he doesn't seem to have a good reason to be there uh yeah, for a lot I mean, of I I just assumed he was the the actor they got for that part. Sure, because you know, it, yeah. like if I, they've made hundreds and hundreds of movies where if you just gender flip those, you wouldn't be asking that question. Like it's just oh yeah, this is the the woman they got to play the other scientist. Hmm. Um, just a lack you know, of just a lack of physics. He just has no physics yeah, problems. No, to he's figure. just there. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't really have anything to do except you know look at computers and apparently linguistic stuff. <laughs> um, did you ever see Sicario? No, I haven't. The thing that was fascinating about Sicario, pretty, it's a good movie. Um, it's Villa, it's uh, Villeneuve, right? The, yeah, yeah, same guy. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's really interesting about Sicario to me is that, uh, much like Jeremy Renner in this movie, Emily Blunt, who is the main character uh, character of Sicario, has absolutely no bearing on the story whatsoever. You see everything through her, but she has zero bearing on anything. If you took her out of the story, the same thing would happen regardless of whether she was there. Right. Um, which I feel like is is fairly rare, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's more often, happens more often than I think, but it really stood out to me. I know that the famous one people talk about is uh, if you took Indiana Jones out of Raiders of the Lost Ark, nothing would change. 
Yeah, well, I heard some. I haven't seen Raiders in a long time. Someone was. I was listening to some. I was listening to a screenwriting podcast that there's apparently some criticism. They it was about plot holes. You would probably like that episode. But there were <laughs> there's some information in Raiders. If he just stops looking for something, the story stops. Like the yeah. the Nazis are only after him because he's pursuing it or something. I'm not familiar with it. You might know better than I am. But it, it, it's that kind of an interesting. Um, the conundrum, I guess, on how you drive your plot forward. Yeah, I mean, he's technically, if not, I mean, this is probably a conversation for a different episode. But if I remember correctly, he is the one who finds the Ark. So if he had just stopped looking for it, they wouldn't have found it because they didn't have the second half. Right. That's, of that's that, it. Like, yes. That, yeah. The the staff thing. Uh. So yeah. I guess he does affect the plot in that he does actively find the arc for the Nazis. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I thought that was it, it ties into the the uselessness of the um the character thing. It's it's just kind of like a tag along character. There probably are a lot of tag along characters who don't amount to much, but it's usually a sign of bad writing if your character has no purpose to be there. Um Yeah. The most obvious example, there's always the tag along character who explains stuff for the audience. Like he he knows yes. these things yeah. and he just kinda of tells everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, are we? Yeah. I guess we're we're done. We're going to uh, take a break, play a clip. We'll come back and give our final thoughts and wrap this one up. So, Hannah, this is where your story begins. The day they departed. Despite knowing the journey and where it leads, I embrace it. And I welcome every moment of it. All right, Arrival. We've seen the best and the worst of Amy Adams. And I guess the way to uh, to start this off is to say, if you want to support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file, it's much appreciated. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. You also get a shout out. Like these are Captain Tier supporters. Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, David Kay, Decker Sebastiani, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, uh, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Matt Flores, Matthew Cutler, Matthew, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russ Graham, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Interesting couple movies for Amy Adams, I think, Clay. Yeah. Hers, mm. um, I think neither really does her a good you don't get a good sense of who she is as an actress uh through either one of them which is kind of yeah, I, I was uh <clears throat> i was just thinking about what to do for a b-roll for her um i'm gonna have to look at the list my my first i feel like my first instinct is like american hustle or something like that mm. um yeah i'll have to we'll have to think about it i haven't and, looked I, mean, I don't know anything yeah. besides i know she's the muppet movie <laughs> maybe the muppet movie yeah <laughs> uh but yeah it's too Arrival is not built around her as a performer, really. And that's not a slight against her. It's just it's not that kind of movie. And Leap Year was just her doing comedy that was terrible. So it, you yeah. don't get a good sense of anything. Arrival's not built around her as a performer. And Leap Year is, is hoping that she can be a good enough performer. Yeah, be a good enough <laughs> performer to save it. And it just doesn't work out for her. Um, yeah, I, I like and I, I, and I think, you know, I, I think that's not to say that her performance in this movie is is not 
notable because it's i think she's great yeah i think she's good too um but yeah i, I it's not uh everyone is very subdued like every yeah, character yeah, is subdued in this movie but you know i recently discovered uh the greatest invention or or uh mechanism to that was created and put into the uh uh the streamability era that we're in which is um there is a function where you can turn on closed captioning or subtitles for when you rewind. And oh. it came in really handy in this movie because I couldn't understand a damn thing Forrest Whitaker was saying. <laughs> so basically, the, if you go into whatever where your subtitles are, yeah, in it'll Netflix, say like... you're talking about the app in Netflix or are you talking about something else? Uh, you, I did it in one thing and it applied it across the board. So oh, okay. everything that I use now does it. So if you go to subtitles, it'll say on, off, or on with replay. And so if you hit the 15-second back button... When it jumps back, it will give you subtitles up until the point where you're you're jumping. Oh, back so just the fifteen seconds that you jump back, and yep. then it takes them off for you. Yep, Interesting. fantastic. Yeah, this was a um, I mentioned before I use uh, headphones for listening to the TV because the kids are sleeping, right, right. and we have it's kind of a noisy street outside, and we use headphones. This was a movie that um, you really get the sound mix in you, and I can see mm. the the low talking. Uh, like the quietness with which they're talking being kind of problematic. And I didn't need the subtitles, but it's another way to go. But that, the subtitle thing is pretty interesting. That's actually a useful tool to have. It makes sense. Yeah. It works on live TV too, oh, which really? is amazing. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can see how they also screw it up. <laughs> uh, I have to say this, I am really disappointed that I didn't see this in the theater. Um, I am too. It didn't, it made money. Let me see how much it made. It made money. It made a good amount. So I, I, I remember the feedback being that this movie did not do as well as they thought it would, and that they mm-hmm. were concerned about the state of intellectual sci-fi in the theaters with it. I, they apparently aren't too concerned because they keep giving Delhi Villeneuve. 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 They keep giving him gigantic budget sci-fi movies that are going to make no money, but are going to be amazing. Like I don't know if you saw Blade Runner, but somehow. He managed to make an amazing Blade Runner sequel that, as far as I know, bombed because I don't think anybody saw it, but it's really good. Mm. And uh, then he following up that by doing fucking Dune, which is <laughs> talk about him. If, if you couldn't get people to come see Blade Runner, I don't think you're going to get people to come see Dune. I'm yeah. just even though the cast is amazing, I it's I think it's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, he's really, he certainly likes to live for a challenge, I guess, would be the way. This is actually yeah. a fairly um, straight-ahead movie to make in terms of sci-fi. It, is, yeah. it made $200 million, it cost $47 million, so it made money. Um, you know, he he's he's a guy that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'd like to go back and watch his other movies. I think I've seen most of them at this point. Um, I haven't seen Prisoners. And I think he's got another one that I haven't seen, and I'd like to watch them because he's really good. I mean, Prisoners, Enemy, Sic- uh, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner, Dune, and then he's he's got um, French films before that. He's got Maelstrom, oh, he Polytechnique, okay. and Incendies. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen Prisoners. I heard good stuff about that. Um, an Enemy, I don't know that one. Enemy is Jake Gyllenhaal. He is yeah. a uh, what the. Uh, Gillen Hall in the dual role as two men who are physically identical but different in personality. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's Canadian-Spanish psychological thriller. I have to check it out Ooh, and see if it's any good. That, that uh, the burgeoning Canadian-Spanish genre. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that international funding wherever you can get it. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, he's he's really good. And I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, 
I am officially uh, looking forward to anything he puts out in the way that, you know, I, I tend to think about people like Tarantino or Christopher Nolan or who, people who do high concept stuff really well. I'm, you know, he's officially on that on that list for me. Yep. So thanks uh, for joining us for our coverage of Amy Adams. Amy Adams. <laughs> We've been, uh, I guess that's, that's probably the problem with these movies that we picked for her. Although... Amy Adams um, has been nominated a lot for Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Has I, she never won? She's never won. She's huh, people I think she's she kind of in that Glenn Close category. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't have a problem with her being nominated, but I'm not shocked that she's never won. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She's I'm, she's fine. I'm a little surprised that she didn't win for either. Uh... American Hustle or like uh, the Fighter or one of the you know the like the she plays the the girlfriend in the Fighter which yeah. is just such a, a a traditionally meaty role and I, she's good in it. I mean, the the problem with that is those roles tend to be all the same in those movies. Yes. Um. Uh. So I I'm surprised that that one didn't win because that was getting a lot of heat that year and American Hustle had a lot of heat behind it. Um, she might've gotten overshadowed by Jennifer Lawrence in that movie a little bit, but, mm. uh, yeah, I think she's, I think she's a really great actress. I think she's, I think she, um, one of, one of the great things about her is she adapts to the movie and I don't really feel like she stands out as like a movie star. Because she looks very different. I mean, she still looks like Amy Adams, but she she looks different enough where it's not like watching a Tom Cruise movie where it's like I, like I just said, you're watching a Tom Cruise movie where it's Tom Cruise pretends to do this for two hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say Amy Adams is not a movie star. You know, in, no. in the in the Tom Cruise sense of what a movie no. star is, but but you know, even even so, there are actors who. If they're playing a role, it's it can be tough to get past them. You yes. know, it's like oh, that's that's that person doing their thing in that role. Yeah, I think she is more of a chameleon in that whatever whatever you give her, she adapts to it and and, and does it well. Mm, yeah, yeah, she's she's. I guess my more cynical take of that would be she's very grounded and she's not flashy enough to. Like she fits in the girlfriend of the fighter role, you know, like yeah. you can put her into those roles and it's never going to be a bad job, but you're never going to, I, I just can't, I, I have a hard time picturing a transcendent Amy Adams performance, I guess would, fair. would be the yeah. way. And there's nothing wrong with her. I just, I don't know if she doesn't have that like Glenn Close or, um, uh, who's the other, the older female who wins all the awards. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. You know, like I, th- those characters, like when you watch Devil Wears Prada, it's like, oh, Meryl Streep is like being someone totally different here. And you can yeah, see where yeah. the skill comes from. I mean, Amy Adams is always reliable, but it's always kind of down that middle uh, lane that nothing, nothing too crazy about it. That's fair. Yeah, I would, I wouldn't disagree with that. Anyway, we're done. Thank you very much. We're going to pick our B-roll. We don't know what it is. We'll have to look over the list. Let us know if you have any suggestions for it. Otherwise, support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file if you are so inclined. It's much appreciated. All the social media links are down below. And uh, that's about it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off with Arrival? Uh, Night Moves number four is in comic book stores now. So check it out. Check them out. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. And uh, we'll be back with whatever the B-roll is. Thank you for listening to our coverage of Arrival, and we'll see you next time.